Hey and welcome to another episode of Some Kind of Killer Podcast. I hope everyone's doing well in the current climate of today with lockdown still going on in many places, i.e. me and wherever you are, I hope you're staying safe. In this episode we are going to be continuing from last week's episode in which we were talking about Britain's longest serving prisoner who was Patrick Mackay. Now, just a quick little recap over some of the stuff we talked about last week that's important. Patrick was diagnosed as a psychopath without mania. He didn't have a very good upbringing. His father was an alcoholic. He was in and out of numerous institutions throughout his childhood, which I spoke about a lot in the last episode, and I'm probably going to bring it up again today because it was a failure of the system. And that I'm definitely going to be talking about later on today because it's just a shambles. Uh, we spoke about, obviously, him meeting Father Crean, who we, unfortunately, will talk about later. And where we last left off, off, not off, was the speculation that Patrick had murdered up to five people by 1973. Now... We're just going to get cracking on with this because in February 1974 there is no speculation that he murdered anyone because this is the first murder that we know Patrick actually committed and the murder was of 84 year old Isabella Griffiths. Now it's thought that Isabella was familiar with Patrick. Now there is two kind of accounts of this. There's some that say that she was familiar with him and that he often helped with her shopping and this is how he knew about her. Other accounts say that she didn't even know who he was and it was just a random one. I am going to go with the she was familiar with him because that seems more likely because before this we kind of spoke briefly about the fact that he was looking into where elderly people stayed because he thought they were rich etc and I think that he would have maybe try to build up some sort of relationship with her only to do what he is about to do. It should be said prior to this murder Patrick had tried to commit suicide once again and he did not succeed once again but he was picked up by the police and a psychiatrist actually spoke to him and despite his extensive record in the past of being mentally ill and being a psychopath the psychologist stated that he suffered from a personality disorder and was not suffering from mental illness. Now, technically this is true because being a psychopath isn't a mental illness, it is more of a personality disorder, but you shouldn't really just brush it off to the side and go, oh, he's not mentally ill. But the psychiatrist did say that he wants him to undergo observation and award. So, he did undergo observation and award, but being the type of person Patrick is, he quickly adjusted to being an award and I feel like he would have shown the people what they wanted to see so that he could get out quicker, so that he could get back on with whatever he was planning on doing. And it was on February 14th, 1974, he was released, which also happens to be Valentine's Day, which also happens to be the day this episode is released. What a massive coincidence. So... He's just been released from a ward and it's thought that he wasn't in the best frame of mind and he's described as being extremely dangerous at this time. And we're about to see why. Because as soon as he was released, 
Patrick went straight to Isabella's home and chapped the door and she answered the door. Now this is where I think that she obviously knew him because she she's thought to have like said she didn't require his assistance that day, which is a bit weird if that is the case. So he's obviously helped her with her shopping, etc. He's went to her house on this day and she said she didn't need his help. Now this has angered him and angry with the fact that Isabella did not need his help today, he's tried to barge into her house and it was then that he strangled her within minutes. Now this is very unfortunate. After strangling her, it's said that he dragged the body into the kitchen and he decided just to wander about her home for a while. While he was wandering, he started to have what I would describe as a bit of a psychotic episode where he was having an argument with the body and he was obviously imagining insults being hurled at him and he was arguing back, but he took out his wrath on Isabella's body and he went into the kitchen, grabbed a 12-inch kitchen knife and stabbed her in the stomach and he then left the knife in her body. With his wrath essentially being dealt with, Patrick decided to make himself at home even more and he went into a fridge, got some food, a drink, he listened to the radio. He's actually seeing her abode as his space for this time and he was going to enjoy it because he's done a lot of hard work in murdering someone and obviously deserves the break and food that he 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 wants. Now there is reports that say after killing Isabella, he did consider killing himself. According to his own recounting of the events, Patrick had decided that he was going to arrange the corpse for greater comfort, closing her eyes and covering the body, which was very nice of him because he's just murdered her. He then decided to place the dishes in the sink, as well as some shoes, and then he turned on the water, which is very, very weird because why would you put shoes in a sink? He only stole a cigarette lighter from her home and the knife that he took out of the body and then when he was leaving the area he flung the knife in some bushes. Instead of, like, his, his obvious aim was probably to steal things from this house but he's only stole a cigarette lighter. I think him doing the murder has had some effect on him because this could be his first murder and if it is, it's had somewhat of a profound effect on him and he's decided he doesn't want to steal. Now. Unfortunately, Isabella's body would not be found for another two weeks, which is a, just a terrible shame. The police had initially thought that she'd passed away from natural causes, despite the fact that her body was covered. Now, that's just kind of showing the police for you. I don't really know what to say. If you walked in and saw a body covered, I wouldn't go, oh, it's natural. I would assume foul play. And it wasn't until they discovered the knife wound in her body that it was passed to the homicide detectives. They appealed for information, but no one knew anything. And this was when Patrick Mackay had gone away with his first murder, and he is going to strike again. But it wouldn't be for a little while. Because over the next year, he was staying with a social worker, who was ordered to let him stay in his house. You can only feel sorry for that social worker. Imagine working and being told you have to have this person staying and it's someone like Patrick Mackay. There's obviously some situations where this would be necessary and it's normal, lovely people. But in this case, it's not a normal, lovely person. Now, the man who wished to stay anonymous 
said that Patrick often spoke of his dark fantasies and his ideology that he was possessed by demons. I don't want to know what those dark fantasies were. And to have someone sitting saying that they could potentially be possessed by demons, you would you would maybe wonder a few things about their mental health and really the social worker should have said something to somebody and said this man who is a diagnosed psychopath is talking about the possibility of him being possessed by demons and he's telling me about all these dark fantasies something could have been done but unfortunately it never would it never did happen so we'll never know now, after some time, he was forced to leave the social worker's home and he was back in the streets with no one to have him, unfortunately. He did go back to the social worker's home and robbed him and once again, he was arrested. This time, he spent four months in jail, which should have essentially been a bit longer, but unfortunately it wasn't. And he was once again released on the 22nd of November 1974. Once he was out of prison, Patrick's frame of mind was just completely... It was just completely out the window. And he wasn't thinking like a sane person. Because he intended to pay society back for its neglect of people like him. People who obviously didn't want to work, etc. That's what I would say. He obviously has his own mindset in himself. Remember, in the last episode, I did say he had this ideology that he was going to make a change. This could be him trying to potentially make that change. But he started mugging women, well he started off by mugging women, but then he planned on finding out where elderly rich women stayed and then robbing them. Because he remembered how easy it was to get into Isabella Griffith's house, so he thought, why don't I do that again and just rob them? Maybe he was thinking of murdering them, we'll never know. But unfortunately, he does murder again and... His second murder was on the 10th of March 1975. Because on that day, Patrick knocked on the door of 89-year-old Adele Price. And after having a little bit of chit-chat at the door, Adele decided the biggest mistake she could ever make. She decided to invite Patrick into her home and she offered him a glass of water. As she went to get the glass of water for Patrick, he decided to sneak up behind her and he strangled her. He then let her body hit the floor face down and... It's noted that she still actually had her overcoat on, so she hadn't even... She was out and she hadn't been able to get home and get comfortable. Again, after this murder, Patrick had decided that he deserved to make himself at home and that he would see Adele Price's abode as his own again. This time, he decided he was going to take a little nap on her couch. Unfortunately for him, Adele did not stay alone and he was awoken by someone trying to get into the house and the person that was trying to get in was in fact Adele's granddaughter who also stayed with her at the time. When she couldn't get in, she decided that she was going to try and call her gran from a hallway phone. This, this was the moment that Patrick could escape and he took his chance to escape and he ran past her on the hallway. Now, as it was a flat, Adele's granddaughter had no reason to be suspicious of Patrick running past her. So, once again, he's managed to get away scot-free. The police had thought of Adele's death to be caused by a heart attack, but there was some suspicious things around her apartment that led the police to believe it was a murder. There's no mention of what these things are, and I'm try- I've been trying to think of what there possibly could have been around the apartment that would have led them to believe it was a murder, 
the one th- the things I can think of are obviously the fact that maybe she had a glass in her hand, a glass of water, but that could just be normal. Um, the fact that she's in her raincoat again, this could be normal. It's it's an older woman. These unfortunately these things can happen in life. I can't think of anything that could have possibly tipped them off. Maybe when he was sleeping, he left some marks on her sofa or something along those lines. But see if you've got any ideas. Feel free to comment on any of my posts about this podcast and let me know what you think because I'd be very interested to see because I'm actually struggling to think of anything moving on because there wasn't a connection to Patrick there was no he's just a randomer there's nobody knew of him and because there was no connection police couldn't find a suspect for the murder and once again he had managed to get away with it again after this murder Patrick had tried to kill himself I have a theory on this and it probably isn't true but it's worth mentioning it could be. Now, with Patrick murdering and then trying to kill himself, you could think that maybe there's a part of him inside that knows what he's doing is wrong and this is his way of trying to stop murdering. It's it's up for speculation. As I said, always up for a discussion. Let me know what you think. Now, it could, it could be that or he is just severely depressed etc and he just does want to kill himself he did not succeed and he went in and out of another mental institution in a matter of days and unfortunately it would be this matter of days that Patrick would go and seek out to kill his next victim who would also happen to be his last victim and this last victim would be none other than his good friend Father Anthony Crean the priest who only wanted to be a friend to Patrick in what he thought was his time of need. The reason for this murder is thought to have been that Patrick's friends had been teasing him on his friendship with the good father and they were hinting that there might have been more than just friends so Patrick's not happy that his friends are essentially making remarks about a possible relationship with a priest so in order to put an end to such talk he decided the only thing that he could do would be to murder Father Crean. And it would be on Friday the 21st of March 1975 that Patrick would set out to find Father Crean and murder him in cold blood. Now, in my opinion, this is his most violent and sickening crime. What he does is just absolutely horrific and I'll get into detail of it because there is a lot of information on it, unfortunately. Patrick took two knives with him on the train from London and he'd planned it out and made sure he was prepared, which was essentially premeditated murder. Before visiting his old friend, Patrick had first visited his mother, telling her to cook a chicken that he bought, which I'm I'm trying to figure out why he would do that, because I'm pretty sure his mum didn't get along with him very well, and he's just turning up at her door with a chicken and just telling her to cook it. It's all a bit very weird. But to continue, he then walked to the Covenant and upon his arrival he claims that the door to Father Crean's house was slightly ajar so he entered and called out to his former friend. When Father Crean saw Patrick he attempted to leave but Patrick stopped him and the two struggled but this would only anger Patrick because he's not getting his own way and this is when Patrick started to attack the father. Now at first he punched Father Crean in the face then Father Crean had managed to break free from him and he tried locking himself in the bathroom 
Sadly, Patrick had caught up to him and pushed him into the room and this caused Father Crean to fall backwards into the bathtub. Patrick would continue his assault on Father Crean and then he got one of the knives that he began with him and he began stabbing into Father Crean, first in the neck and then the side of the head. So he then tried shoving the blade in the top of his head but he failed. This is just absolutely horrific. In Patrick's own words, this is what happened next. I grabbed for the axe and with this I repeatedly lashed out with it at his head. Not the words of a sane person. This is really, really extremely violent behaviour and it's not like any of his previous murders which makes you think it's a crime of passion. He's obviously being riled up from his friends, he's got all this emotion and this is why it's unlike the other murders because they could essentially be seen as going off on a whim but this one, as I said, it was premeditated and he's got all this backed up emotion of being ridiculed by his friends. Father Crean, who was, he'd, he'd just been sitting and he was trying his best to ward off these attacks but he now just lay in the bath while Patrick continued his explosive onslaught. And to quote Patrick Mackay about this event, it was something in me that just exploded. Just absolutely disgusting. His attacks were so brutal that he had actually managed to crack open the skull of Father Crean. And as the father lay helpless in the bathtub, Patrick had decided he was going to start running the bathwater. And he just sat and watched what his actions had caused. Father Crean sustaining such wounds he was unable to control his bodily movements and it took him nearly an hour to realise that he was going to die Patrick did tell the police that he touched his skull and he felt his own brain this, according to him this was highly erotic I think it's, I can't explain how disgusting this is, it's such a shame and once Father Crean had finally passed Patrick had stayed for at least another hour, hour and a half and he was just fascinated by what he had done but he eventually grew bored and he returned to his mother house to eat the dinner that she had cooked for him this crime overall is just absolutely, I've said it a good few times right but it's absolutely disgusting, it's such a shame that Father Crean was just someone who saw a young man who looked as if he needed a friend and he was nice to him you know he bought him drinks when Patrick stole money from him he didn't want to press charges and this is how he's been repaid with this Patrick his friends are not entirely innocent here because I'm not saying they're the ones that caused it but they riled him up to such a stage where he thought that the only acceptable thing to do about these ridicules he's been receiving was to murder someone and unfortunately Father Crean was the victim of that murder. The very same night, one of the nuns from the Covenant had discovered the body and she phoned the police. Thankfully, the police already had a suspect in mind. This is the first time I will give the police kudos, you could say. And this, I think, is because there was finally a connection to Patrick because of his past with Father Crean. With Patrick finally being in the eyes of the, the, the sights of the law, it wasn't long before he was apprehended. This was thanks to a tip the police received from one of Patrick's friends and not long after Patrick was arrested at the house of a friend and in under half an hour he confessed to the three murders he had committed. Very short time. This is why 
I think earlier when he was considering killing himself he knew part of him and some part of him deep down had done something wrong because if he didn't he wouldn't have actually confessed to the crimes as quickly now after confessing he was sent to Brixton prison to await his trial and ironically the officer that arrested him this time was the very same officer that arrested him for stealing the cheque from Father Crean two years earlier that's a tad ironic obviously different circumstances unfortunately while Patrick was in prison he began bragging about the other murders that he had committed and this information would find its way back to the investigators and he was again interrogated and he claimed responsibility for the following murders this is the murders that I spoke about earlier the five he claimed that he stabbed a woman in the throat on a train he bludgeoned three elderly women to death in their homes a woman and her grandson were stabbed in her apartment he threw a homeless man in the river and he bludgeoned a man to death in his shop as he closed for the night he did later take back these confessions because there was no evidence to connect him to these crimes unfortunately whether they were true or not is up for debate there's no because there's no evidence you can't really turn around and say it was him you i didn't really see anything about the crimes either there was no mention of them i'm pretty sure that would have been three elderly women bludgeoned in their homes that would have probably been something that would have been looked into unfortunately there was no evidence patrick had a solicitor assigned to him while he was in prison and this solicitor was robin clark and he believed that patrick had a good defense for the insanity defense this was mainly due to his extensive past of mental imbalance and when he was in prison he underwent psychiatric assessment most of the people that assessed him agreed that he was a psychopath and therefore it was not mental illness that he suffered from but was in fact a personality disorder and the conclusion they reached from this was that he was aware of all of his actions and he knew he was he knew exactly what he was doing and he had no remorse for his actions i strongly believe this to be true with patrick being judged sane by the psychiatrist he was declared fit to plead and it would be on november 21st 1975 that patrick was taken to the old bailey to have his case settled now he was charged with three murders and there was related charges in with that and he pleaded guilty so in order to avoid an expensive trial the jury just accepted his plea and Patrick was sentenced to life in prison and he would be sent to Wormwood Scrubs. That's all very quick. It's a slightly anticlimactic end to such a horrible person. That's good. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a very good thing because now this man who has caused so much trouble is no longer out in the streets and he is in prison for the crimes, the, the sickening crimes that he committed. When he was in prison, Patrick had started to look back at his life and he recognised that it was wasted and he was now going to rot in prison and it's thought that he wished he succeeded in his suicide attempts. I am not one to say yes to suicide. Suicide is never the answer. If he had succeeded, none of these murders would have happened. But again, I'm not going to condone suicide. I'm not going to say it's a good thing. Somebody should never commit suicide. What should have happened is he should have been caught at an earlier stage. He fell through the net numerous times. He should have been caught. That's all I'm going to say. 
again, suicide isn't a good thing. It's never the answer. After his trial, there was one notable newspaper headline that I feel really sums up the entire situation. And the newspaper read, Life for the mad killer, law let go. This is just... This sums up the situation so well, I think. Because the newspaper, for once, hit the nail on the head. Not like the newspapers nowadays, where they tiptoe around everything. This is just... This is really important, and I think we need to look at this. Because, as we know, at the age of 15, Patrick was diagnosed as a psychopath. Yet, he was released into the world just to continue living his life. While all psychopaths may not be killers, you can't take a risk. You give the benefit of the doubt. But when he was released, he attempted to kill another boy and said that he would have succeeded if he wasn't stopped. This alone should have been a reason not to be released back into the world. They should have looked at this and went, right, he's tried to murder someone else. Well, not he's tried to murder someone else. He's tried to murder someone He's a diagnosed psychopath. He said he would do it. We probably shouldn't let him back out into the world. We'll just put him in a ward for the rest of his life. But this didn't happen. And he was he was taken back into a ward. But again, he was let go into the world. I could only help but ask what went wrong in the system for this to happen. But that's not really the only question that could be asked. You know, it's how did the system fail so much as well? Because as I've said, he fell through the net numerous times a bit of a controversial opinion here. In a sense, it's not just Patrick who's responsible for these murders, but it's also the people that properly failed to punish him at times when he was doing something wrong at an earlier age. As I've said, a very controversial opinion, perhaps, but it's it's true, because if when he was first diagnosed, like I said, benefit the doubt, but when he tried to kill another boy, why wasn't he punished more? Why was he just set free into the world? If he was punished properly, he would, we would never, I wouldn't be having this podcast, I wouldn't be talking about him just now, I'd be talking about somebody else probably. When he was awaiting trial, Patrick himself spoke about how he could have been misdiagnosed and that he was not a psychopath without mania, but he was a psychopath with mania. And he believed that someone wasn't paying attention. He could be right, he could be wrong. This could have possibly been an attempt for him to be incarcerated into a psychiatric hospital instead of a prison because this is, at this time, he was going through what can only be described as the poor me phase and it's typical of psychopaths to do this because they essentially blame everyone around him for his actions but themselves. They remove like any personal responsibility for the crimes. It's a defence mechanism, you could say they they, this is their way of saying, oh, it wasn't me. This is somebody else's fault. That could be what it is, but it could be right at the same time. This is up for debate. We can talk about this. Let me know what you think in the comments. But what we can say about Patrick Mackay is that it should have been stopped somewhere before three people were murdered. We can't just point the finger at any one person as the system as a whole failed. You can only ask, what does that say about a system that is supposed to be put in place to protect people? How many other potential killers have been allowed to walk free through this system? But that is up for possibly another episode. You never know. Just talking about a system that's a failure. I won't get into it. That is everything that I have on Patrick Mackay. To sum it up, he was a piece of shit. And I just... 
a final point, I feel like there is a reason that he mainly preyed on the elderly and I feel like it's a power thing. These two women and the priest, Father Crane, they they weren't really in any condition to fight back. You know, they're, they're elderly, they're frail and old and they don't have the energy they used to have. So essentially, this makes them easy targets in the eyes of a psychopath. This then leads on to the question of what does this say about Patrick Mackay as a person? He's, he's just a coward. He's pathetic, really. And he knows that these people are just easy targets. He knows they're not going to put much of a fight up against them and he is going to overpower them and in the end he is going to get what he wants and unfortunately that was murder. That's everything. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to these two episodes on Patrick Mackay. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me. You can send me a message in my Facebook and Instagram, which are both Some Kind of Killer Podcast. And I also have a giveaway going on just now for a t-shirt that I designed. Have a look on my Facebook and my Instagram to see the details for that. You could win a free t-shirt with Some Kind of Killer Podcast on it. Or if you don't want that, I can always try and knock up one with a serial killer of your choice. Whoever wins can discuss that with me. And that is ending on the 25th of February. I'll give plenty of notice as to when it's ending. But have a look at my Facebook and Instagram for details on how to be in with a chance to win this t-shirt. You can also find me on Twitter, which is at some kind of kill capital R. That's everything for today. I hope you've all enjoyed. I hope everyone stays safe and is keeping sane. And I will see you soon for another episode. Thanks. Bye.